Action acting. <laughs> We've got something special planned for you. We're still diving into Echo's core values. Simple rhythms. Echo Church is your place, your people, and your purpose. A moat. <laughs> a moat. <laughs> we want to take a moment to welcome you, whoever you are. But for real, would you connect with us? Like, comment, message us today, and let us know how we can pray for you. Isaiah, I want to know what is your motivation? Watch me. Echo Church, we want to pause and say thank you for your investment and your generosity towards Echo. If you are looking to give to Echo today, you can head to our website, text an amount to 84321, or that's it, because you're online. Enjoy today's online service. Welcome. 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 <laughs> I won't forget the wonder
in this moment of celebration, I just want to bring it back down to what our real focus is this morning, and that's the heart of Jesus, the heart of worship. Let's sing this old song with me. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it, and it's all about you. It's all put your hands out and close your eyes as we just put our focus on him. God, we just come to you right now and I thank you for every single person in this room. God, there's a line in that last song that we sang that's my favorite and it says, King of endless worth. 
God, you are our king and you are a man and our father who never gives up on us, God, no matter what we do. I pray for every single person in this room who came broken, who came feeling less than. I pray for people who are struggling with self-worth today, God. I pray right now that you will realign our steps that you will ignite a passion in us that was once there, God. I pray for the people who don't know you in this room, God. I pray that they can sense your presence and your peace. Holy Spirit, you are here, and we acknowledge the power that you bring. And I just pray right now that we can put our focus and our attention on you. You are a God who meets us where we're at, and we thank you, Jesus, for not stopping, not stop calling our name. You are calling us by name right now. And I just pray for you to pick up the pieces, whether people need to be carried or sat with or seen, God. I pray right now for victory in the darkness. I pray against us feeling like we can't do this, God. And I just pray right now for you to show us how to live for you, God. I pray right now for there is a holy power. I pray right now for us to have hope that's eternal past circumstances, past bad news, past diagnoses, God. I pray right now for the hurdles that are up against us right now, God. I pray for purpose and clarity in this season. God, we are, if people are in the valley, I pray that there is purpose in the valley. I pray against them pitching a tent and sitting in the valley with their arms crossed and giving up, God. But I pray that you will walk them out of that valley, up the mountain right now, Jesus. And I just thank you for giving us a place to worship. That Our heart is for you. And I just thank you for even giving us an opportunity where we have a safe place to worship you. God, I pray for your word to come alive. I pray for the sermon today that Andy's bringing. God, I pray over him right now, God, that we can receive what you are speaking through him to us, Jesus. And we just lift this up in your name. Amen. so good, so good. Uh, not sounding so good, but it's good because it's working today. Come on. Oh, it's we're, Hey, we are in a series called All the Rage. And this week I leaned into you guys to help me start the message. And I asked our Echo team members uh, at large, uh, is what was your first and what was your worst job? Uh, so just everybody, bring your mind to that first or worst job of your life. And man, I got honestly, I got a kick out of it because, um, man, some of you start uh, typing in and, uh, and commenting about all the bad experiences you've had and a number of different uh, opportunities. And uh, man, it just cracked me up. And so I, what I kind of want to do is play on the word a little bit, all the rage. Uh, and like, instead of like what was really, really popular, I want us to look at it as uh, everything that makes you angry, okay? Like all the rage. If you can just bring yourself back to that moment in time at your first, your worst job where, man, like that rage was just, you know, whelming up within your soul. Y'all know what I'm saying? Or am I only the person in here that have experienced that? Okay, okay. okay so I got one honest person over there. Uh, She's my new friend. So anyway, uh, how about this? I, I, this is what you guys had said. Uh, some of you said your, your first and worst type of job was rock picking. Rocking, rock picking. Uh, you know, I, how about pulling weeds? I remember doing that at my aunt's house. And yeah, it wasn't that great. Uh, many of you wrote babysitting. Uh, 
And uh, in fact, uh, the, one of the funny stories on there that was presented was, was uh, this one individual was babysitting and they were, they were praying at the end of the night and, and this, this child was praying and praying for their mom and their dad and their neighborhood, you know, and all the people that they care for and then got to the babysitter and said, I pray they all go to hell. Speaking of hell, how about working retail uh, on Black Friday? <laughs> I did that, done that, never do it again. <laughs> never do it again. How about this? This is, this is kind of a phase. This was all the rage in the past, Cutco knives. Man, I remember as a youth pastor, like all of a sudden, like a 17-year-old get a new job. And be like, what do you get? Cutco. And they'd go, Cutco. I was like, oh. So now I know I'm going to get a phone call like every week, setting up appointment for you to sell me some Knives, And then there was this one individual, and I actually don't like her anymore. Uh, she wrote on, she said, I've enjoyed all my jobs. <laughs> I still like you, but, uh, uh, but you are a jerk. But anyway, I don't get it. But this one, okay, how about this one? Someone said they were, they, and, and, and this kind of tells you kind of maybe, uh, maybe their era, but she, uh, she had said she was coloring maps. She used to color maps for a naval ordnance base. I don't even know what that is, but I'm like, I don't, it doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world for me. Uh, but how about this? Uh, I actually, when I was young, my dad would take me and I would have to stack hay. Anybody else? Stack hay. It is the worst. I hated it. But the one thing, like the one thing that was repeated over and over again was detasseling. <laughs> detasseling corn, man, that's got to be like the worst thing ever. I, I heard, I didn't even know what it was. So I went and I Googled detasseling corn and every picture that I saw of someone detasseling corn was an angry looking <laughs> face of a young person, like, you know, like 13, 14, 15. And they're, you know, like someone that just couldn't uh, maybe turn someone else in for child labor. I don't know what it was, but it didn't look good. Uh, but one of my favorite responses on there is from Debbie, who attends our church. And she, she said this. She said, likely the first job was the worst job also. And it was detasseling corn by hand. When I was 13 years old and four foot three, mud attached to your ten sho tennis shoes like lead weight, lead weights, corn rash. Uh, not corn hash, corn rash in your forearms and your face, gooey bug stuff and grabbing, uh, gooey, uh, when you grab stuff off, off the tassel, humidity and heat encased in rows of corn, stepping on snakes, can I hear an amen, or toads, and up at 3.30 a.m. to meet the school bus that drove you 30 minutes or more to the field. And the best part, she said, though, was she was able to memorize her social security number. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> How do you know she was looking for positives? You know what I'm saying? It was like, man, this is really bad. But, you know, at least I memorized my social security number. Okay, well, anyway, you should pray for her later. But um, now the, the thing I want to get into our soul today is, is the first and worst job, regardless of your experience, it made an impact on you. There were certain things that I've done in my life that have just truly made an impact on me. I've had a lot of bad jobs. Uh, I, you know, I worked for UPS, uh, I remember through college, and uh, man, I'm always the sucker for the deal. And they told me they'd help me pay for school. What I didn't know is that I'd 
uh, going to work at 10.30 p.m. and then get home by 3 a.m. to have a science class in the morning that I just slept through and almost flunked. I got a D, but I was so happy that I passed. (laughs) They never told me about that. Um, Anyway, I'm just glad to be here. But my point is this, is first experiences frame up your actions and the outlook of your present reality. How many know Debbie, as she wrote it, she, she looked back and she realized that her, one of her first experiences began to frame up how she experiences life today. And honestly, that doesn't make, it doesn't, there's really no difference than how the first church started and how we're experiencing the first, or the church today. The Bible up to today is Acts 2, uh, and we're going to go to verse 42 and 46. So why don't you open your Bible up to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2. And what we're going to lean into today is this, is we're going to lean into one of our founding or core values of what I call simple, or what we call simple rhythms. And if we were going to break apart a simple rhythm, I, we could also call this simple church. If all the lights are, are taken off and the, the cameras are no longer here and the LED walls don't work and the microphone uh, are shut off, uh, what are we left with? What are we supposed to be as a church? And that's what I want to look at today. I guess I kind of want to return to the first things of the New Testament church. How did the New Testament church begin? And how it began was this. As Jesus leaves, he descends up into heaven. He looks at his disciples and said, wait, wait, because I'm going to empower you. And then when they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, they stepped out of their upper room, the context, their little mini church experience, and they went into the streets and they told people about Jesus. And, and people heard and they, they gave their life to Jesus. And it said 3,000 people came to really uh, begin to form the New Testament church. And what we find in Acts chapter 2 is this, is they continue faithfully in teaching of the emissaries or of the disciples in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. And in verse 43, it's not on the screen, but it's on your Bible. It says, everyone was filled with awe and many miracles and signs took place through the emissaries. And all those trusting in Jesus stayed together and had everything in common. In fact, they sold their property and possessions and distributed the proceeds to all who were in need. And then verse 46, and it's back on the screen. It says, continuing faithfully and with singleness of purpose, They begin to meet in the temple courts daily and breaking bread in their in several in their several homes. And they shared in their food in joy and in simplicity of heart. Now, if you pay 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 attention to details and illustrated on on the screen, is between 42 and 46, as you really have you have pretty much a sandwich, and the bread is this these four concepts and four practices that really started creating the New Testament community. And we're going to look at those in a moment, but really 
let's be honest, the chicken and the Chick-fil-A sandwich, the spicy chicken deluxe is really the response and the experience that they begin to feel and, and begin to uh, interact with and begin to uh, understand firsthand. And that was what was written in between 42 and 46. Clearly stated, if I can say it like this, is when the four elements and the four practices that are lived out within the New Testament church, there's a certain effect that we begin to feel. And those things are awe, response, joy, and unity. And that's kind of what I want to just unpack today with, with you. So the New Testament as they were modeling the first things, the first works, the first practices, the effect that they began to feel, number one, was awe. Everybody say awe. awe. And, and you know, and honestly, what's, what's awesome about awe is, is I, I get the front row seat of seeing new people step into, new people in their faith, uh, new people in maybe rejuvenating kind of this faith and, and re-kind of framing up their faith, walking into the echo community and, and beginning to walk into this space or into a table community and carrying this sense of awe. Do you ever, do you ever experience a sense of awe? I remember driving downtown to uh, downtown Minneapolis for the very first time. I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin, and our downtown was not at all similar to Minneapolis. And I remember we actually were picking up our brand new youth pastor at the college I eventually went to. And I remember we walked downtown, and and y'all do y'all know what I'm saying? You went to that city, you went to downtown, and Rochester's got some big uh, high rises. Uh, but I remember walking downtown and looking up and having this general sense of awe. There were something bigger than me and I had never seen it and it was something that began to inspire me. In fact, this last Wednesday, uh, we, we uh, kicked off table communities for my table community, a group of men who are interested in leadership and interested in prayer and I, I sat there uh, and, and we were around in a circle and, and I had the opportunity to, to kind of just inspire men, uh, these men that are sitting in the room that, that they are leaders. And uh, was, was biblically kind of unwrapping that uh, that night. And I remember looking at this one individual who was there for the very first time. And, and I, I, I don't know how else I could explain what was going on in his life uh, besides just seeing his eyes. And his eyes had this sense of wonder and in awe. And that's what the new church uh, got to experience. And I don't think that, that we're different than the New Testament church. Many of you have walked in and you've got this fresh awakening, and that's what's fun about being a part of Echo Church, is this, is there's this awe, there is this wonder, there is this new experience that many of you are beginning to experience, uh, uh, feel and sense, and man, it's just a joy to, to be there. Just this last Tuesday, we, grabbed, we, uh, we invited some of the leaders that are a part of Echo Church to come in and pray. And, and we really start uh, just seeking the Lord. And, and there was a moment where we felt like, hey, uh, we should pray for one another. And in fact, I sensed that there was someone in the room that, that needed prayer. And, and, uh, and I, I patiently waited for an individual to speak up. And, and, and the honest God truth is this, is just before this man spoke up, I felt like the Lord had placed his name onto my heart and a situation or, or something to kind of speak into his life. And thank God he brought it up first. But it confirmed in my heart 
that God was speaking to me. And he was speaking to this other person in this room. And, and then we did it again and said, we felt like there's someone else in this room that has something to experience or someone that needs some prayer. And again, I waited patiently. And then that young woman, right at the last seconds before I was going to call her out, she brought it up. And I was like, Lord, this is really, really cool. And that's what the New Testament church was experiencing. They were beginning to experience the move of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit, and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and God's presence. And I want to be that type of church. Can I hear an amen? amen. How about this? The second, uh, really, reaction or effect to the practices of the New Testament was this, is a response. Or let me say it like this. I think we're all supposed to be redirected. I think we're all supposed to be redirected in some sort. And, and in the New Testament, we see they sold their property and they sold their, their possessions, man. And, uh, and I think that's absolutely amazing. And I, and I, I ventured to, to, um, to guess that most of us, we haven't sold our property and we haven't sold our possessions. But, but I want I want to be that type of church that goes, you know, we're in this together, that there is something amazing that's going on. And, and would you have the guts to be redirected from just sitting in the seat and stepping onto the team? Instead of just sitting on the seats and become, becoming participants on the move of what God is doing within the room. Does, are you all understanding what I'm saying? Is what we do is we, we do something every two weeks of the, the month. It's called Echo Culture. And really that Echo Culture is programmed to encourage you to redirect you literally 15 feet than what you're used to. But after the first service, it's been happening today. In fact, I'm encouraging some of you to be redirected. Would you have the courage of being redirected? Would you respond to what the Lord is doing inside of you through this community? Would you be redirected and step into something different that God has for you? You'd be surprised what 15 feet, a 15 foot diversion can do within your life. In fact, I want to take a moment. I want to just honor Christy, my wife, Pastor Christy. Can we hear it for Christy? I want to make it very clear to you what Christy is doing at Echo Culture isn't a program. It's making a difference in people's lives. Although Christy is very good at getting people on a team, it's not about getting on someone on a team. It's about encouraging a reaction to the, the inner working of the spirit inside. I'm telling you what, there's some of you, you, you used, in fact, this is almost like, maybe you need to hear this, someone in this room. Some of you, you've sat in the seat of church and you've become disdained. You've become disappointed with the church. But what you don't understand is you sat in the seat and you never stepped up to be redirected into a life-giving purpose that God ordained for you. And maybe today's your day. And I'm telling you what, Christy's the person. Because Christy comes in and it's not something to manipulate, but to encourage. And we want to come alongside you to say, we believe in you. And I'll tell you what, there's no one better than my wife to some, look, at, look at people and encourage them and pull out gifts and, uh, and, and pull out uh, confidence and stepping into what God has for you. Again, can we honor Christy one last time? I want to be a church that encourages consumers to turn into contributors. 
consumers, consumers into contributors. How about this? The reaction of the New Testament church is this, is joy. <laughs> I love joy. I love it. I, man, I, you know what? There's, some, there's been some down days in the last few years. But at the center of it all, man, I, I'll tell you what, there is always joy present, sometimes hidden better in some days uh, more than others, but there is joy. I think of the story of Nehemiah, and uh, he's rebuilding the ruins of Jerusalem. I mean, there's, this nation has been decimated. The people have been brought into a different nation. Just a few people are left back into this ruined, ruined space, and Nehemiah steps up, and he starts rebuilding what was once broken, and, in, and, 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 and they find, and they lean into Scripture, and, and and Nehemiah is like right-hand man. Ezra gathers the people, and they begin to read Scripture, and they begin to teach Scriptures. And in, in Nehemiah 8, 9, the people react in this way. It says, all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. How many of you come into Echo from the week to week, and man, you start crying? You start tearing up, man. And, and, and I think some of us, we walk in here, we're like, what is wrong with us? This is what's wrong with you. Nehemiah 8.10, the verse after, Nehemiah says this. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy and unto the Lord. Don't grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I believe many of us, we come in here and we start tearing up. We feel like there's something moving within our spirit. And because it, it is sometimes in the form of a Emotions and maybe tears, we, 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 can, we can misunderstand it as, as grief and misunderstand even what the scriptures are saying uh, as something that's a downer. At the same time, I believe what the Holy Spirit is trying to do is turn what was once grief into joy that is consistent and is, could be the found, firm foundation of your life. Because the joy of the Lord is meant to be your strength. I believe it's about time for some of you to allow God to turn your mourning into laughing. Amen. I found this acronym on, on, online. It's, G, it's joy. Jesus overshadows you. Jesus overshadows you. I can, have, I can always have joy because I understand that Jesus is overshadowing me. No matter how many shadows or rain clouds or thunder that surrounded me, I understand that Jesus overshadows it all. And there's a difference between a dark rain cloud and the cloud of Jesus shining light over me. Man, I always love it. You know, you all know like those, one of those rainy days where, you know, there's a rainy day where it's going to rain all day and you're never going to see the light of day. Y'all know what I'm saying like that? But then there's those, those patchy rainy days where a, the, the sun will go through the cloud. And I just want to, I, I kind of want to put that image in your life that I believe an effect of a life-giving community, a life-giving church is a joy that, yes, there are clouds all around you, yet there is a ray of joy that can permeate your soul, permeate your situation, permeate your circumstance. See, joy is not circumstantial. I believe joy is confrontational. I'm gonna say that good. I'm gonna say that again. Joy is not circumstantial. Joy is confrontational. Jesus wants to step into your life and confront the issues that you have. 
Joy is meant to confront where you're at and bring you into a new view of reality. And that's this one fact. Jesus overshadows you. Can I hear an amen? amen? I mean, that's good. And some of you need to remember that because maybe you might have a bad day tomorrow. Anyway, the last effect of uh, the New Testament church is this is unity. It said they stayed together and they had singleness of heart and had everything in common. They stayed together. They had this simplicity of heart. If you begin to look at the Greek word of simplicity, this, this concept of simplicity of heart, it, it really breaks down uh, with this one idea. They rushed along, this rushing along. There is this concept of in unison. In fact, this commentator writes about the simplicity of heart as if a band or, or the image of a band working together in unison to make a beautiful sound. That's what the early church had. They had this singleness of heart. But uh, let me just bring this one concept up. If you're, some of you are looking at your neighbor or you understand different people within this echo community, and you're like, I don't have anything in common with them. <laughs> How many of you know the New, New Testament church that not everyone had everything in common at the beginning? You need to hear that when you reread Acts 2.42. It said they had everything in common, but I guarantee you they didn't have everything in common in the first place. But they had everything in common because eventually, because they were committed to one another, even in their differences, they decided that the singleness of heart and purpose mattered, and they were going to stick it uh, along to each other, stick together along with each other in unison, and they desired to rush together. See, I think some of us um, are challenged in the cultural message of the cancel culture. And I believe we need to replace that with this, can you tell me more? Yeah. I think we need to begin to insert patience and understand what patience is. Patience isn't just waiting, patience is listening. That we need to step into this community and just be patient with one another. Some of you, you need to go home and you just need to be patient with one another. Some of you need to go back to your workspace and become patient with one another. And it's not patience in the way of waiting, but the patience of listening. So let's lean in. This is uh, just kind of concluding here. So go a little quicker. Is what are the four practices? What are the four works? What are the four things that, that the New Testament church did to get the effects of what I just talked about. And the four are this, is fellowship, teaching, breaking of bread, and prayer. It's what I call simple church. It's what we call the simple rhythms of Echo Church and of our faith. And if you're a follower of Jesus, or if you are and, and or you are a disciple, then we've got to become committed to these concepts is we need to be committed to fellowship. It talks about in the Acts, refer Acts references, they gathered in homes and at the temple. In fact, they went to the temple. They went to their homes and they said this daily. <laughs> yeah. 
I was going to say it. Can we just do this weekly? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I know that some of you, you have different work schedules, and I honor that and understand that. But you know what? Some of us, man, we just have grown and accustomed to, like, if we're tired and we're, we're just kind of having a bad day on Sundays, we're just going to skip church. And I just wonder if we could break that habit and we could create a rhythm of fellowship weekly. And hopefully even one day we could get into this daily rhythm of gathering with each other in a smaller collective group supporting one another as a New Testament church. Let me say this, and this is directly to parents. Some of you, uh, you know, you really are investing in your children in many different areas. And, and I, I, I applaud you and I honor you for that. But when they graduate, will they be really good at sports one day that will one day turn into a hobby? Or will they have a relationship with Jesus that will last the rest of their life? Will you commit to fellowship? Will you commit to that weekly, that weekly gathering of people in, in a big group or a small group setting? Man, I think that's when we begin to experience some of those effects that I spoke about. How about this teaching? They were committing to the teaching of God's word. They were committed to the word of God and then even beyond that, the understanding of God's word. What I find fascinating about the Nehemiah verse is this, is they heard the scriptures, they wept over the scriptures, but then someone came in and helped them understand it and what it actually meant. And that's what the New Testament church, that's what the local church is supposed to do. It's supposed to come alongside your individual relationship with Jesus and understanding of scripture and begin to help you not only uh, uh, commit to the word of God, but begin to understand the word of God. And this is what we need to do with God's word is this, keep returning. Keep returning. Create a weekly rhythm and keep uh, and, and create it to be your number one priority. Let's be committed to the teaching of word. How about this breaking of bread? Many of you, when you hear breaking of bread, you think of communion. And yes, it does mean communion. But let me tell you what this means in this portion of scripture. Breaking of bread, bread means this in the New Testament church. They were willing to share. And they did it generously. That we at this church, we're committed to share with one another. And we're willing to, to adopt the attitude of generosity. And you know, from time to time, one of my favorite things that I've been able to do as a pastor uh, in, in this context and in, in previous context is when someone comes up to me and they give me an envelope and they say something like this, will you give this to somebody else and never let them know that I gave it? The anonymous local church member that cares for the other person. And I'll tell you what, it's awesome to receive that but I'll tell you what, when I get the opportunity to come along someone that just needs a little bit more because they have a little bit less, that when someone sees them and give it, that gives them a little bit more, it creates this sense of awe. Yes. It creates this sense of joy. 
It creates this sense of, guess what? We are actually doing this in unison. And I want to be a community that breaks bread together. I want to be a church that shares, that we see the need and we meet the need. If we see someone with less, we, cur- we come alongside them with more. Let's be a church that's not only sharing, but let's be a church that's generous. Can I, see, can I hear an amen? Because I believe that everybody believes that here today. And then lastly, as we close, I want to be a church that's committed to prayer. I want to be a church that's committed to worship. I want to be a church that's committed to encountering the presence of God. Now, some of you, when you hear that, you're like, well, that sounds strange. And yeah, it can be sometimes. But I want to be a church that steps into the presence of God, humbly inviting the Holy Spirit and Jesus and our Heavenly Father to do the work that He wants to do. I want to walk into this church. I want to have this attitude of less of me and more of you, God. I want to adopt this attitude of of prayer that begin to believe for bigger things than we can do by ourselves. I wanna be a community of people at the core of our being that are not afraid to pray for things that are bigger than us and out of our reach, out of our capacity, out of our dreams, out of our plan, but believing that Jesus is way bigger than our circumstance. I want to be a people that begin to write our prayers down so that when that prayer is met, we can remember it and we can rejoice because we serve a God that answers our prayers. How many, how many of you, uh, like me, have time to time look back at your prayer life and you're like, Jesus, you never answer my prayers? Well, this, the issue isn't that Jesus doesn't answer your prayer, most of your prayers. The issue is you don't remember the prayers that you pray and how many prayers are actually answered. And I want to be a church. This is, this is like, this is the application. This is where I want to go. I want every single one of you to go out to your local business. If you're lazy, go on Amazon. I want you to buy a moleskin journal because that's the coolest one because that's what I like. And no, I'm kidding. Or, a, or the journal that you want. And I want you to start writing down your prayers. I want to be a church that writes down things and looks, looks back from time to time and rejoices that God answers our prayers. But I also want to be a community that just asks God, ask God for bigger than us type of prayers. I want to be a church that not, not only just says this is your people and this is your place and that this is your purpose. I want to be the New Testament church that says this is our people, this is our place, and this is our purpose. That when we say it's our people, we're committed to fellowship. 
When we say this is our place, man, it's our home. It's, it's the gathering of large people. It's the fellowship. It's the it's small group connections. I also want us to say it's our people, that it's this singleness of purpose. And when we come together and it's our people and it's our place and it's our people, we, our, our, our purpose, we begin to experience that all. We, get, we begin to, to, to react. We begin to respond. We begin to be filled with joy. We set our strength upon the joy that the Lord provides us. And then what we do is we step out in unity, having everything in common. Let's be that type of church. That's what's all the rage here at Echo. May the first type of experience in the New Testament, the first works in the New Testament, determine the current present reality of this church, the core value of simple rhythms. Let's pray. Jesus, today we come together and we commit to the practices of the New Testament church. For many of us, it's new. For some of us, it's gonna take some work. For some of us, we're gonna to have to turn habits, bad habits into new rhythms. And we ask your Holy Spirit to help us. But today, Jesus, in a, in a very prophetic way, I just sense that you want to present a certain awe in the midst of your presence in this space today. Some of us, we've come in here and maybe we, we have a, prideful stance. <laughs> Maybe we'd, we've been doing church a little bit too long and, and we feel more like a saint than a sinner. And today, God, I just ask that you would humble us, that you would, that you would God, that you would step into our life. You would revitalize it. You would make us aware of your presence. God, I pray that you would just give us the courage to respond to that presence. That you'd help us react. You'd give us the boldness to just, just be turned 15 feet into the community room and step into echo culture and just submit to your deeper and your next work. God, I pray that you would just fill those who don't have hope with joy today. You begin to strengthen us for what is in front of us, everyday interactions. And lastly, Jesus, <laughs> this is a bigger than us type of prayer. Unify us. The enemy in this culture is trying to tear us apart, but God, you desire to make us one. And today, God, we commit to that oneness. We just take the next few minutes, Lord, to this, and we make this next song our prayer, our ambition, our desire in Jesus' name. And everybody said,
the vision that Andy cast when he talked about unity and he talked about a band. And you know, there's seven musicians on this band and I was thinking about the, the fact that it, you don't just need a majority going in the right direction when you're on a band to get a good result, right? Like if this half is, is not going the same way as this half, well, that's trouble. But here's the funny thing. You just need one. Of the seven of you, if one of you is going a different direction, we all get to sense that something's not quite right. It just takes one. So it can't just be a majority. It can't just be most. What if we take a step of being a church that truly is unified? And can I tell you the biggest, the biggest hindrance to you being unified? Being offended? I'm just throwing it out there. That's the most likely scenario to stop us from being unified. Somebody does something you don't like. Somebody does something a different way than you'd prefer. And we let that disrupt the unity that God's calling us to. I love when Pastor Andy said, this is our place. This is our people and this is our purpose. Now you can't put that on a flag outside because it basically tells everybody else they can't come because it's already ours, we got it. But, but I want you, when you see your place, your people, your purpose, you think my place, my people, my purpose. And we take a step in being unified. Now, one of the things we do here at Echo Church every single week is we say a prayer. And we say this prayer together and it really is the first step towards being unified. So the prayer is gonna be up here on the screen and we're gonna say it together. Now, some of us in the room first time, some of us a uh, hundredth time, but here's what I know. God is still moving through this prayer and God is still moving through his people. So let's take a second and let's say this prayer together. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. And everybody said, amen. Now let's celebrate some of those that are saying it for the first time. Come on. For the first time in a long time. You know what else we want to celebrate? We want to celebrate those families that are here in the building for the first time today. Come on, let's celebrate. Yeah, we know what that's like. Stepping out is a big deal. We are proud of you for being willing to step out.